0: God, we just thank you and we praise you, God. Oh, the Lord, that we are able to be encountered by you, by your breath, by your anointing, by your power. And so, Lord, this morning, let your fire fall. Let your breath blow upon us and fill our lives, God. Lord, we need you. We need your touch. We need your hand upon us this morning. And so, God, we love you and we praise you this morning, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus' name. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, and remain standing with me for a few moments while we look into God's Word. And for those of you that are worshiping with us online, if you have not already, I invite you to invite your friends and family to watch and worship with you. Dialogue with us. Let us know ways that we can be praying with you and for you. Comments. I have been burdened by the message this morning. Probably burdened more for the message this morning than, I don't know if I can say more burdened by this message than any other message, but certainly if not the most burden or the greatest burden, one of the greatest burdens. In Acts chapter 2, we find, I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 6. And we find for us in this congregation, probably what is a familiar passage of Scripture. Believe that God desires to speak to us in something that is very fresh and real for us today. In Acts chapter two and verse one, it says, "When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting." And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone... Heard them speak in his own language. God, I thank you for your word this morning. And God, I thank you, Lord, for that God that your word is alive and and breathing and speaking into our lives this morning. And so, God, I ask that in the name of Jesus, that right now, that God, that you will open up our minds and hearts to be able to hear your voice this morning. God, Lord, allow your spirit to not just breathe upon us, but God, to speak to us this morning, God. Oh Lord, as we come transparently before you, that God, that you will move in a mighty way in our service this morning. God, we need to hear your voice and move upon our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I am sure that all of us have watched the horrifying events of this week in our nation. We have watched the horrifying murder of George Floyd this week in Minneapolis and how it has rocked our nation. As a pastor, as a man of God, I want our congregation to know that it is, of course, my godly responsibility to be able to respond to this matter and as Christians, we have to be concerned and we have to be ready to stand with one another, with our neighbors, where there is injustice, regardless of race. I have to confess that as the body of Christ, the reality is, is that we have failed many times throughout the generations. We have failed to address these issues and we have failed to even take them seriously sometimes, and we have tried to maybe even ignore them where there has been injustice, where there has been violence, where there has been uh, wrong. Today, I am imploring us, not only for myself, but for each and every one of us, for us as a church, that we as a congregation, that we as the body of Christ must do better as a pastor, as a Preacher of the gospel, I have to even take own responsibility for ways and in areas that I have failed my communities that where I have served. Some may find today uncomfortable, maybe even offensive, but I want us to understand this morning that racism and. Uh Police brutality by a few and all of the violence that are being seen are sins. Just like adultery, just like homosexuality, just like abortion, just like any other sin that we talk about. And as the church, we cannot be silent on the issues that our nation is facing this week. Unfortunately, for too long, we have chosen to be silent because of the uncomfortability that it puts all of us in. But this morning, on the day of Pentecost, it is not, I don't believe, a coincidence that that is today. While I certainly do not believe that uh, the murder of George Floyd was uh, God-ordained, I believe that the timing of this, that God desires for us to be able to reflect and to look upon us ourselves as the church today. We will not be, of course, a church that condones Racism at any level, whether it be outside of our church or whether it be inside of our church, as a Pentecostal church, we understand that God poured out His Spirit upon all flesh. Amen. Amen. So we come this morning and As we take a closer look at the events of Pentecost and the day of Pentecost, what we see is an emphasis of love, we see an emphasis of unity, we see an an emphasis on the acceptance of all people. And I believe that our church and ministry has displayed this and that we will continue to display this. And so I want us to look together today to be able to look and to celebrate Pentecost Sunday and the oneness, the unity of the church that God has ordained and established. You see, because the day of Pentecost, I believe, is a picture of what God desires within us as the church. As we go through this morning, we will understand that we, on the day of Pentecost, have been empowered, that we are empowered today, uh, and Jesus knew uh, that we were going to, uh, he knew what we know now, and he uh, knew because he knew all things through all times, and we cannot be able to handle the things that we face in our lives, we could not face the circumstances that our nation is facing without the help and the infilling and the power of of the Holy Ghost upon our lives. You see, what they did in the early church, what they did on the day of Pentecost was not possible without the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When we reflect upon not just the events of Acts chapter 2, but as we take the book of Acts in its entirety and we look to it, we understand that their assignment, their calling, their duty could not be fulfilled without the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And what we are facing in this last day age of the church age, could not be faced without God and the outpouring of His Holy Spirit. For all of us, maybe we're scratching our heads this morning trying to figure out how to fix everything that we are seeing currently. And I want us to begin with the answer of we've got to have an upper room experience once again. That is where it starts. It doesn't start out on the streets. It doesn't start out in the stores. It doesn't start even in the ballot box. It starts with us right here in this church and being able to say, God, I need an outpouring of your Holy Ghost. You see, we all we need, we must be filled with the true and genuine spirit of God. Man-made solutions will not cut it out, no matter how hard we try, no matter what may be going on, no matter what we know of, no matter what we think, no matter what we analyze, no matter what our physical capabilities are, they will never be a replacement for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And so we come today on the day of Pentecost and our heart and our cry is just what we sang. Oh God, bring Breathe upon us. Let your fire fall upon us because the one living inside of us is the one that's leading us, the one that's governing us, the one that will be with us when we face persecution, the one that will be with us when mankind leaves us or deserts us or betrays us. It is God himself and his spirit that will always be faithful to be with us because the one who is greater in us is always going to be greater than he that is out in the world. See, we come this morning and we must say, God, not only do I want you to empower me, but God, as you empower me, I want you. God, we must have the Holy Spirit take over our lives. Literally, we need to be able to say, God, allow the Holy Spirit to consume our lives. Because it's in these moments where we see the upper room outpouring happen, that all of a sudden things become transformed. All of a sudden we see the inner working of the Holy Spirit. If we need a world change, we see a national change. We see a change in the outside. It doesn't start with us in doing man-made things, but rather what we see on the day of Pentecost and in the early church was they got into that upper room, they sought after God, and when God poured out His Spirit, they exited that room, and all of a sudden the world became turned upside down and all of a sudden the world became transformed why it wasn't because peter and james and john were the best speakers it wasn't because they had the most money it wasn't because of anything that great they had experienced in their flesh oh but it was because of the empowerment of the holy spirit that had come upon them on the day of pentecost that god worked in them and through them and that needs to be our heart and our cry on this day of pentecost You see, I believe that what we are facing right now is a significant moment in time. Whether we realize it or not, the world and unbelievers are watching. They're watching us as Christians. and They're watching us as the church. They may even be joining us to check out what the message is that we have to say this morning. Had conversations this week. I had shared a post on Facebook and my initial response to the events of, I believe it was Tuesday, when uh, George Floyd was killed. And I actually had individuals say to me that it was a shock to them to see a southern white pastor share the things that I shared in being outraged by the incident. Because the perception by some is that if you fit my description... You automatically must be racist. And the reason that that perception has been perpetuated is because of the silence of the church for so many years. You see, we understand that there needs to be a change. There needs to be a change in our culture, there needs to be a change. In our society, there needs to be a change in terms of what we value, in terms of life. And that we need to be able to say this morning, God, I need you to create that change. We can't make it happen. Oh, you can't make that happen. A politician can't make that happen. It is God and his power and his spirit alone that allows that and creates that change. And I believe that God today, in this significant crossroads in our history, that God is searching the earth, he's searching Georgia, he is searching La and Franklin County and Hart County and Stevens County for people that will host him, that will be able to say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Because as God moves and he finds us and as we say to him, God, show us how to move past this mess. As we say, God, show us how. Oh, as we say, God, without you I am stuck. Without you, God, we are stuck. Without you, God, we can't do anything. But God, with you, oh, all things are possible. Oh, with you, we can move forward with you God Oh, we can reveal the plan of God for the kingdom of God to be fulfilled with him there can be justice with him there can be reconciliation with him there can be peace with him there can be power within the church and with him oh we can be able to come together and we can lock arms in arm and we can stand shoulder to shoulder and say that we are united that we are together that we are the body of Christ and we are who God has created us to be and we say come Lord Jesus come upon us now let us be what God has made us to be he has empowered us through the spirit and he has empowered us for four things that we see on the day of Pentecost the first thing I've just touched on in that God has empowered us for racial unity in Acts 2 and verse 3 I want to revisit it It's part of our text. I want to read it in the New Living Translation. It says this, that they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each of them. Each of them. Who was the each of them? It was those that were there in the upper room. They were from different places. And those that were out in the streets that were listening, they spoke many different languages. And in fact, in verse 5, and it says, at that time, remember in our text, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. They had come uh, for the Feast of Weeks or the Festival of Weeks or the uh, Festival of the Wheat, and and they had come. And so there were people from everywhere, and they had come. And I want to go to verse 9 And it says this, and it kind of goes through and identifies who these, each of them that is being impacted by this. It says, here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. In this picture of the day of Pentecost, all of a sudden we see a united ability for God to begin the reparation of what started all the way back in the book of Genesis. Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Y'all remember the story of the Tower of Babel, don't you? Mankind had come together to try to make themselves equal with God, and so they tried to build a a structure that would lead them up into the heavens. And out of that, God separated them by creating the different languages, and through those languages, ultimately, different cultures and societies were created. And here it is, all of a sudden, now on the day of Pentecost, that we see uh, this beginning of this reparation of what began all the way back at the Tower of Babel. All of a sudden God is saying "Oh, that despite your native tongue or your native languages I am now going to unite you once again through a common language that is not of this earth oh, but is ultimately through the power of heaven. And as the power of heaven came upon the people in that upper room, all of a sudden everybody from all of those nations that we just read, every single one of them heard a language that was their own. They all heard the same message. They all the same hope. They all heard the same thing happen. And so here we see, through the power of the Holy Spirit, a drawing together, a uniting, a unifying of people from different lands, from different nations, and different races. And it is in this understanding that we come and say that the power of the Pentecost day, day of Pentecost, is all of a sudden found in this ability to be able to say, God, I need you and your Spirit to come upon me. You see, But we know that the enemy of our souls wants to see us divided. Why? Because a house divided against itself cannot stand. Satan is literally trying to choke the life out of our nation, and may I add, the church. That is what Satan is trying to do. Jesus himself declared in John 10.10. He said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But he said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have that life more abundantly. Today, we stand... We come together. We are united in this building. And I believe that we are united in mind. We are united in heart. And that we can echo the sentiments of Acts chapter 2. That we are together in one place and in one heartbeat. And we come this morning. And we are frustrated. We are upset. We may even be outraged. Outraged by all of the events that have taken place this week. And and we are outraged by the, the, the devaluing, the value of life. And we see this as a culture, we see this as a society, all the way from the womb, all the way through to the elderly, and every age and race in between. We see as a culture, there has become this uh, limiting or this devaluing of life. And we as believers, we as the church, have to be able and willing to say, no, not on my watch, because that's not the declaration of Christ. Christ came to say, oh, that it is Satan who is out to kill. It is Satan who is out to take away life. It is Satan who is out to devalue. Oh, but it is Christ who came to declare that we could have life and have life more abundantly. And so today we come together and we say no. We speak out and we say no. We're speaking up for life. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter if you're in the womb or out of the womb. It doesn't matter, oh, if you're healthy or if you're on your deathbed. We come together as the church and we say we make a stand with Christ for life and to have life more abundantly. Second thing that we're empowered for is we are empowered for truth. Truth. After the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter, the same Peter who denied Christ, has the boldness to stand up and preach an incredible gospel message. In verses 36 and verses 37 of his sermon, he says this. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Truth. Peter is telling the people of Jerusalem, understand what he's telling them. Because they've come back together for this pilgrimage, the first pilgrimage since Passover. So here they are, 50 days from Passover. The same crowd that is in Jerusalem on this day is the same crowd that was in Jerusalem for Passover. And he's standing out on that from that, that place and he's preaching the gospel and he's telling them, he says, hey, this Jesus that God sent to us, he says, you killed him. And they were cut to the heart. Well, I don't know of anyone in this room who has ever physically killed another person. The reality is is that in that crowd that Peter was talking to, to my knowledge, none of them literally crucified Jesus either. But yet that is the accusation. Why? Because 50 days prior to this, they had stood in the streets they had stood in the courts and some of them cried out give us Barabbas some of them cried out crucify him and some stood on the streets that day and they were silent it didn't matter whether they cried out crucify him, whether they cried out give us Barabbas Or whether they were silent. They all became complicit. In the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And so this question for you and I today. Is what is our truth. What is the truth. That God meets us with this day. The truth cuts us. Just as it cut them. That day. When there was a realization. I know all of you and I know that that we desire to do good and we desire to embody everything that God is but I have been challenged over these recent weeks both from Ahmaud Arbery uh, just in our own state and a community where we used to live near I have been convicted of how many times have we as the church as a whole been silenced on issues of injustice Because the reality is is that silence becomes complicit. Silence becomes uh, just a, a part, that we become a part of it. My prayer is that we will not be silent in these issues any longer. Many of us have not only been outraged by the murder of George Floyd, but we've been outraged by the response Over these last several days. Do you know why people are acting the way they're acting these last few days? I'll go ahead and tell you, It's for most of them, it's not because they're bad people. It's not because they think burning a building down is going to bring George Floyd back. They're not doing it because they think that it's going to create it and bring them back at back any of the victims. But rather, we understand that they have been become like volcanoes with a pent-up pressure after time and time again these kinds of things have taken place and there has been no change. I am not excusing what has happened because there is no question that the vandalism and the arson and the violence that we have seen is wrong and it is sin just as it was on Tuesday but I want us to understand when you have a pent up volcano of emotions and frustration that all of a sudden it doesn't take much for a match to be lit and all of a sudden it becomes a powder keg that explodes and that is where we are but the answer and the response Is still the same. That we need the presence and the power of God to move upon us. That while we need to be angry on behalf of those that have been marginalized or mistreated or even murdered. That we also need to be able to say, God, allow us to be a part of a change that is productive and not destructive. That we need to be able to say that we're not going to allow the bad apples of a few to taint our perception of all. Because by definition, that becomes the very definition of prejudice. Whether that's based on race, whether that is based on occupation like police. I am thankful that the majority of the police in our nation, and to my knowledge, every single police officer in our own community, they are faithful, they are hardworking, and they have compassion for all people. And so we do not judge everyone based on a few bad apples. And so we come this morning and we say that I am not going to allow the truth of a few To dictate what I narrate as the truth for all. Let me say that again. We are not going to allow the truth of a few. To dictate our own narrative about the truth of all. And so we come this morning and we say thank you to our officers. Who faithfully execute their job with integrity and character. We say thank you to those over these past week. Whether you realize it or not, there have been many peaceful, appropriate protests based on the events of the murder of George Floyd. But everyone knows that that doesn't get media coverage because it doesn't entice emotions from the, from the masses. And so we will not allow the, the actions of those few to dictate The truth for all. You see on the day of Pentecost. They came together. And they said. What shall we do? Maybe you're like me and have asked that question. Multiple times over and over again this week. I can say that we must not remain silent. That we must speak out in truth of God and his love. This is not just an African-American issue. It's not even just an American issue. Come on. This is a Christianity issue. Mm-hmm. The answer is not sociology, as Tony Evans read a quote from Tony Evans this week. The answer is not sociology, it's theology. Mm-hmm. Come on, the answer is us being able to say, God, I need your spirit, because the spirit came and proclaimed what? Truth. We worship him in spirit and in truth. And the truth is that there are things in our culture, in our nation, in our society that need change. There are things inside of every single one of us in a variety of areas of our lives that, guess what, need to be changed. And every single one of us, none of us are perfect. And so we come this morning with that understanding and we say, God, I'm humbling myself before you. It's cutting to my heart. And where I want to begin with what do I do is I begin with me. And I say, God, I'm going to get in an altar. I'm going to get in my prayer closet, I'm going to get in the word of God and I'm going to fill myself up with you and everything that is heavenly because when I fill myself up with everything that is from heaven, all of a sudden the things of earth begin to transform all of a sudden the things around me begin to look a little different, all of a sudden I don't value the things that I used to value all of a sudden my priorities are a little different all of a sudden my eyes are not seeing them with Adam's eyes but they're seeing them with God's eyes and as God looks out and he weeps over the world we too will look out And say our heart breaks for the people that are hurting. And out of that hurt, oh, they're inevitably hurting other people. And what we need is the healing power of Pentecost to show up on this this day. On this day of Pentecost, 2020. And we need the Spirit of God to move across our nation. And to bring about healing and restoration and hope in the middle of what we face. We are empowered, not just for unity and not just for truth, but we are empowered to repentance. And this is where we get into that personal response of what we do. Because this was Peter's response in the very next verse to that question. What shall we do? Look at verse 38. Peter says to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we come before God and we say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for those times, God, that I've been silent when I should have spoken up. God, I'm sorry when I didn't call someone out for a racist joke sorry when I didn't stand up for the mistreated. I'm sorry when I allowed the bully to overrun people around them. When we come before God and we say, God, I'm sorry. In that moment, what we see is a promise of three things. We see the promise of forgiveness. We see the promise of being baptized or being united with Christ. And we see the filling. Of the Holy Spirit the gift of the Holy Spirit we come this morning and we as a Pentecostal church should know more than anyone else that power of the Spirit is not just about uh, a shout on a Sunday but it is about the empowerment to be able to be transformed in our lives so that God can use us and work through us to bring about transformation around us You see, a long time ago, 2,000 years ago, the Son of God came and He took on, guess what? An injustice. He didn't deserve what the punishment of the crucifixion. He was blameless, but yet He took on the injustice and He unjustly died as a perfect, innocent sacrifice for who? For my sins and for your sins too. And when He did that. He chose to do that. He did it so that he could bring an ultimate justice in his reign to a world that keeps throwing it back in our face and the lack of justice that we long for and because of it, God grieves and we should grieve as well. And on this day, oh, I believe that what we see is God gathering together, oh, people of every race, every nationality, every ethnicity, everyone, and worshiping before the king. And I believe that when we get to heaven, guess what we're going To see, we're going to see the exact same thing. People from every nationality, every race, every ethnicity, oh, every place coming together around the marriage supper of the Lamb, around the throne room of God, declaring, Holy, holy, holy is He, worthy is the Lamb. And so, if that's the picture of heaven and that's the picture of Christ, then why in the world is it so hard in the year 2020 for us to be able to say, Let us see that vision here? Let us see that vision now. let us be able to experience it and get a glimpse into heaven as we say, Oh, Lord, send them from the east, the west, the north, and the south, and let them all come and find the life-giving hope of Jesus Christ through the power of repentance, through the power of salvation, and us being able to say, God, here we are. Use me and work through me. Yeah. See? Because the day of Pentecost brings us and allows us to be empowered for unity, empowered for truth, empowered for repentance, we are able to say, God, we are able to be empowered. It is hope that we come this morning declaring that God, it doesn't have to be what we've seen over the last week. It doesn't have to be. In verses 46 and 47, the conclusion of the day of Pentecost chapter. The Spirit has been poured out. Peter has preached. And this is what it says. And so they continued daily with one accord. Verse 1 began with them being in one accord in the upper room. The Spirit was poured out. And all those people from all the different nations that had come together. All of a sudden now at the end of the chapter. 3,000 got saved, added to the church. And they're still in one mind, one heart, and in one accord. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness. Maybe you're like me and just ready for our nation to get back to being glad again. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. All. All. All the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Several weeks ago on a Wednesday night, we Tina and I were studying and we were sharing about and leading up to the day of Pentecost and we did a, one evening just looking at the Festival of Weeks, or uh, the Festival of Wheat, Feast of Wheats. And that is the concept or the celebration of why everybody has come to Jerusalem for what is now we know as the Day of Pentecost. Everybody's come because of this Feast of Wheats. And basically the short version of this is that Uh, On the Feast of Weeks, it was a celebration of harvest. And they would come and they would, everyone would come and they would bring their grain. And they would bring it to the tabernacle. They'd bring it to the temple. And when they brought it to the temple, uh, they uh, they prepared it and they all gathered together. And they brought it to the temple and it was put into a grinder. And that grinder would go through and it would process the grain, it would process uh, the wheat. And what we see in that grinder is this it didn't matter of all those nations that we read about earlier, they all brought their wheat. That meant that there was wheat from Egypt, there was wheat from Phrygia, there was wheat from all of those places. There was wheat from people who were wealthy, there was wheat from people who were in poverty. Or impoverished. There was wheat from the middle class. There would have been wheat from those that are in priestly service. There would have been wheat from just uh, servants in people's households. There would have been wheat from all walks of life brought to the temple on this day. And what's amazing about it is that as they brought all of that wheat into the temple and they put it, gave it to the priest, and it would go into that grinder, all of a sudden, as that grinder went through and processed it, guess what? There wasn't one grinder for all of the uh, Hispanic wheat. There wasn't a grinder for all of the Caucasian wheat. There wasn't a a grinder for the the African-American wheat. It was all one place. And as it went through the grinder, guess what? Wheat was just wheat. And it was all mixed together. There was no separation based on the rich or the poor or the middle class. There was no separation based on... Uh, Race or anything of that nature. And what we see is that for the Feast of Weeks, on the day of Pentecost, this is by no accident, church. Understand, oh, that they have come from every nation so that they could experience the restitution from the Tower of Babel and find a unifying power that is known as the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost came upon them, all of a sudden there was no separation, there was no division, but there was unity. And all of a sudden, because of that, there became hope, like never before. There became hope eternal that sprung forth out of the day of Pentecost. And what I come here this morning to encourage us with is that while things may look bleak, oh, if we will allow the Holy Spirit to fill our lives, to fill our church, to fill our community, to fill our nation, all of a sudden we don't have to worry about protest. We don't have to worry about an election. We don't have to worry about the social justice. All we have to worry about is saying God, come move upon me because when the Holy Ghost moves upon us, there is no more division. But there is unity in the power of God. And that is what we need. When we cry out, Lord, breathe upon me. That is what we are crying out. Hallelujah. Glory to you, God. You see, but the enemy. The enemy is always going to want to create division. And to start strange or wildfires. Come on, yeah. And that's what we've seen the last few days. He will do it through any means necessary. Yes. Make no mistake about it. The devil is at war for you and your heart and mind as well. Yes. But I want the devil to know this morning that we see him. And that we are calling him out. We are calling out the sin of racism and division. We are calling out the sin of injustice. We are calling out the sin of violence. We are calling out that one who is trying to steal, kill, and to destroy life. And in that scripture, in John 10.10, 10, oh, we have the two options. We can either choose to listen and follow the devil who says he's come to steal, kill, and to destroy or we can choose Christ who said that he came to give life and life more abundantly. And every single one of us have a choice on what will our choice be? Are we going to ignore the truth? Are we going to ignore the problems? Are we going to stay silent or are we even going to be a part of the problem? Or are we going to say, no, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit move upon me. Oh, and Lord let your spirit begin moving in my life. Oh, because ultimately it is destruction or wholeness. Which will it be? Emptiness or fullness. Which will it be? Oh, as for me and my household, I say, fill me with your spirit, God. And as you you do. I am reminded of Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19 when the Lord says today, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And so now we call upon heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make, ho, oh, that you, that me, that we would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. This scripture gives us hope. Why? Because we have the promise that there will be descent. It means that we're not going to be burned up and this isn't going to be the final generation. It means that there is a descendant to come. There is another generation to come and it's up to us to make sure that we choose life. Why? So that our children and our grandchildren will have life no matter what the Lord may declare in terms of his timing of his return. I'm going to say God as long as I have breath on this earth, I'm going to choose life and I'm going to choose life more abundantly and I'm going to choose to be full of the Holy Spirit rather than empty. I'm going to choose life over death. Oh, and I'm going to choose the one who is with me instead of against me. I'm going to choose the one who came to give rather than take. And I'm going to choose to say, God, I need the grace of your power. I need the grace of the cross And I need your healing power to move within me. Because if we can understand that, it is here and now that we can live out the fulfillment of what Jesus declared. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And that is who we are. And if we will live that out and be able to make a stand. And be able to say, God, this is who we are as believers. This is who we are as Livonia Church of God. And the same ministry of hope. And the same ministry of unity. The same ministry of togetherness that we at Livonia Church of God have been and will continue to be. I know that God is going to move in a mighty way. And just as he used the 12 disciples to turn the world upside down. And within weeks you had thousands and thousands of people coming to know the Lord. I believe that there are thousands and thousands of people who are needing to know the hope of Jesus Christ. That we are not doomed to fail. We are not new to violence or destruction or murder. Oh, but rather we can stand together united saying, God, it is by the power of your spirit that we come this morning. Hallelujah. If you would stand with me this morning, I want you to lift your hands and surrender and worship to him. Hallelujah. That by his strength that we can declare, God, we need you. Are you empowered this morning? If you're not empowered by the Spirit, then you need to cry out and say, God, empower me. Empower me. Oh, with all the fullness of who you are and what you have for me. Oh, the fullness of being able to say, God, let us be united. Let us be able to say, God, oh, empower me with your truth. The truth of salvation. The truth of redemption. Oh, and so Jesus, right now, we just cry out to you and that God... As we pray together that, God, that you will search our minds and hearts. And in those places, in those areas, that, God, that we need to repent. God, lead us to that truth. That you will help us to repent. That, God, that you will help us, God, to be able to come before you and in that repentance. That, God, that you will just be able to, oh, Lord, fill us. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your spirit. Because when you do, oh God, I pray, oh God, that you will move upon us. And that, God, you will dispel fear. That, God, that you will bring healing to our land. That you will bring healing to our communities, God. Oh, I pray that you will bring healing to those that are hurting. That, God, that right now, that, God, that you will put protection around us. Put protection around those that are being, oh, stereotyped or misjudged or uh, being victims of being prejudiced against, God. Oh, that you will protect them. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to unify us, God, as believers. Stand. Firm upon your principle that God, that you came to give life and life more abundantly. Oh God, search us. And as you search us, empower us. Fill us this morning. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your power, God. We need you, Lord. We need your touch. We need your presence, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to you, Jesus. Breathe upon us, Lord. Breathe upon us by the power of your spirit. In Jesus, Jesus' name, God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to you, God. We love you and we praise you, God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I encourage you, church, to make an altar there at your seat or wherever you need to go to find a place to be able to encounter God this morning. And that God, whether it's at your seat or Or even at the front, God, we just come before you.